What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of the High Wrestling Podcast. Um, It is exactly what the title entails. I, your host, Marley, get really stoned, and I just shoot the shit about wrestling because I really love wrestling. There is just so much passion in wrestling that doesn't compel me as much as the other sports do. Hockey is a close second, but it just doesn't compel me as much as wrestling does. Um, I've been a wrestling fan since 6th grade, ever since SummerSlam 2009, Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk. Um, and I've been a CM Punk fan since then. He's just been my favorite wrestler, and the reason I love wrestling as much as I do right now to this day like I wouldn't be sitting here making this podcast if I wasn't as a wasn't as huge of a wrestling fan as I am so yeah but other than that I started this podcast because one I would have to be stoned to even start a podcast uh two I just recently graduated from WWE to AEW and there's just so much about that that I need to get off my chest but I'm one of those weird loners with no friends, so I have nobody else to talk to about wrestling. I mean, I do, but my only friend that I can talk to about wrestling lives in Texas, and part of this podcast is to keep her informed about what's going on in the world of AEW, because she is limited, and this is the definition of true friendship right here, in my opinion. And also, I was bored, so why not? You know? So like I said, I've been a wrestling fan since 2009. Um, I was invested in the whole D-Generation X revival, and it was like the SmackDown 10th anniversary, I think. That's what really pulled me in, and then I was like super invested in the Jeff Hardy CM Punk feud leading into SummerSlam 2009, and it was like the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania at the time. And it was just a really good time to be a WWE fan, in my opinion, because at the time, I was oblivious to how shitty it was, probably, because I was a fucking sixth grader. You're not really thinking of much in sixth grade. But um, I watched up until CM Punk left because I was that loyal to CM Punk because he was the one that kept me so invested because you could tell how passionate he was in what he was doing. And so once that passion was gone, I'm like, there's nothing else to really watch and care for. So I kind of fell off with watching wrestling and lived my life and grew up. But then I found it again in like 2017 and was fully invested up until kind of like that illusion faded and I realized that WWE is pretty much who could ride Vince McMahon's dick the hardest and it just wasn't fun anymore so I graduated to AEW and at first I kind of just didn't have the attention span to remember to watch it even though I set the DVR to watch it but then I find out CM Punk returns after seven years, signs with AEW, so the first thing I do after work, set the DVR, watch the episode, here I am, working an eight-hour shift, been up since 5.45am, having an emotional breakdown in my living room, because my favorite wrestler is back in a wrestling ring after 
10 years damn near and it's an amazing fucking feeling because not even in an obsessive fan way and I hope I don't come across that way but it's more like you can tell and see the passion on somebody's face when they love what they do and you can like not even just on their face but in their actions you can really see when somebody loves what they do and that's probably why I got very emotional watching his promo and his return so since then I have been as the kids say all elite I wish I could enter in like a badumptist or whatever but that was like the corniest fucking thing I've ever fucking said and I'm so sorry I am so sorry but um yeah so enough about me we're going to get into the bulk of this podcast which is pretty much AEW all out and the AEW dynamite episode following that because I just need to talk about it So my intention with this podcast is to really get stoned and shoot the shit about wrestling. But the format is going to be every two weeks, I'm just going to recap and review and kind of give my opinion about everything going on in AEW. My main focus is going to be AEW because I'm most invested in that right now but I will give my occasional opinion on WWE because from time to time I do tend to watch the big pay-per-views like I'm never gonna miss a Wrestlemania like I don't give a fuck about WWE but I'm never gonna miss a Wrestlemania I did watch SummerSlam and I may give like a brief review of SummerSlam before we get into the AEW stuff because we want to get the easy stuff out of the way before we get into the important stuff let's be real um But yeah, this is mainly going to be an AEW-focused podcast with the occasional WWE sprinkled in, just to clarify. And I want to say that I have no filter, so don't take anything I say personally, and nothing I say is true. I'm not even going to say it's alleged, because I don't want to get sued. This is all opinion and no filter from a stoned 24-year-old woman, okay? I'm already embarrassed is enough and insecure enough as it is being a woman wrestling fan because there's not enough of us and men suck. So give me a break. All right. Thank you. So I do briefly want to talk about how I felt about SummerSlam before I get into the AEW stuff because the AEW stuff does make up the bulk of what I want to talk about today. And there was not much about SummerSlam that I really wanted to cover, but for the sake of being fair and this being a wrestling podcast, I just might as well talk about it anyway, but I honestly enjoyed SummerSlam, mainly because I have this theory that when you enjoy WWE in small doses, it's more digestible, because I have not watched Before SummerSlam, I don't think I watched WWE since WrestleMania, and I think that what that's what made it a little bit more made a little bit more of my reactions a little bit more organic. I don't even know if that sentence was grammatically correct, but we do know the title of this podcast, right? Thank you. 
Um, but yeah, SummerSlam was cool. I genuinely was not expecting Becky Lynch to return, and much like everybody else, I disagree with squashing Bianca Belair in like three seconds, but obviously everything happens for Vince's reasons in WWE. We all know that by now. Um, yeah, I barely even remember SummerSlam. I'm actually going to Google it as we, uh, speak because I think once it was over, I blocked it out. Oh yeah, I also wasn't expecting Brock Lesnar to return, and for some reason, seeing Brock Lesnar warmed my heart. I don't know why, because like when he was Universal Champion and he wasn't showing up, he got on my nerves, but just seeing Brock Lesnar at the end of SummerSlam warmed my heart for some reason, and I thought it was like heartburn, but I don't know, I was just really happy to see Brock Lesnar. Um, okay, so I have the Wikipedia page up with the results from SummerSlam because it was just so long ago. Um, I don't remember Big E beating Baron Corbin, so it probably wasn't even that important. Um, RK Bro won? Don't remember that. Barely remember Alexa Bliss and Eva Eva, wow. Not even memorable enough for me to pronounce her name right, so we're just gonna skip over that. Um, Damian Priest, I'm happy for him, because I remember, like, when I had a brief, briefly, I had a stint where I was trying to, like, binge Ring of Honor, and I remember when he was Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor, and I was like, even just that brief time I was watching it, I was like, this dude is gonna, like, be something, and even though it's in WWE, I'm sure he's happy where he's at, and he's gotta be grateful for where he's at, he's not gonna question it. I knew that he was going to, like, do big things from that moment I watched him in Ring of Honor. But, yeah, I, I was glad he won the United States Championship. But, um, honestly, as a person of color, I do find it a little bit racist that Vince McMahon only has people of color and people from other countries go after the United States Championship. There's something about that that screams chasing the American dream in a very racist way. And, um, yeah. Alright, um, Usos won, I don't even really complain because I like the Usos, um, again, Becky Lynch beating Bianca Belair in three, uh, seconds I wasn't really a fan of, uh, Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal, the only thing that I have to say about that is that when I was watching WWE religiously in, like, 2017, Every time my mom was home and I would watch it, she would always call Ginger Mahal Big Greasy because he would always come out, like, really shiny from all the baby oil on his chest. So, that's really all I have to say about that match. But, you know, I do like Drew McIntyre. I wish that, you know, I would consider watching WWE regularly if they brought back the Broken Dreams thing. Like, I, I'm considering it, possibly just to hear Broken Dreams every week, but at least put it on Spotify, you know, because that song was a banger. I remember the SmackDown 2009 days when he was coming out. That shit still slaps in 2021. I don't give a fuck. I don't give one fuck. That shit still slaps in 2021. Um, Charlotte Flair winning, we all saw that coming. Edge, you know, can't really say anything negative about Edge. Can't really say anything negative about Seth Rollins. Um... Don't really know what this whole Joel Osteen, Jehovah's Witness gimmick he's got going on. Um, but good for him. 
really, you know, he's thriving and I love to see it, you know, good for him. That's, I, I can't really say anything negative. Just as long as everything is working for him, that that's good for him. Uh, Bobby Lashley, he, uh, he reminds me of that one fish. Oh, Bobby Lashley be Goldberg. Okay, I that's the that's the one. Okay, first thing I was gonna say was Bobby Lashley reminds me of that one really buff fish in SpongeBob. You know the one. Um, but second of all, I was very confused because I had no idea Goldberg had come back. I was wondering where Goldberg was to even like come back. I had no idea he was even there. Had returned in a storyline, and I didn't even know that they had like involved his son. Because at first I thought his son was like Nash Greer. Because I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. But then it was like, oh no, that's his like actual son. Um, but yeah, that was unrelated. But that tells you how much I pay attention to WWE. Um, but yeah, Roman Reigns, John Cena. I had a feeling John Cena wasn't going to win. But it was also like hard to tell too because between Roman Reigns and John Cena they both suck Vince McMahon's dick very well so it was kind of hard to tell because Vince is big on both of them we both know that and then Brock Lesnar returning that was honestly I wasn't even expecting it and I feel like that's why I was happy to see him because it was just like I I may I don't even know where I'm trying to go with that, but it, I may sound lame for saying that, but I genuinely was not expecting to hear Brock Lesnar's music, much like everybody else. I probably am not the only one. That's probably why it feels weird to say, but, like, as obvious as it was, I wasn't expecting it, and I feel like that's why I feel stupid saying it, you know, that it, it was just right there dangling in front of our faces, and I was still caught off guard. But that's enough about SummerSlam. Let's get into what's really important. That's AEW. So now we're going to get into the AEW portion of the podcast. And we're going to talk about AEW All Out and AEW Dynamite. Um, the week of September 5th. Because I don't even want to do the calendar math. Or even pull up the calendar to figure out what date Wednesday was. So no, it was the Wednesday following September 5th of that week. So yeah. Um... AEW All Out. <coughs> Initially, <coughs> I wasn't going to watch it because I saw that it was $50 and I said, absolutely not. I was not paying $50. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying $50 to fight TV or Bleacher Report to go watch this. But I read a little bit further down on the website and I saw that it was playing in select theaters. And... I saw that it was playing in a theater that was relatively close to me. And I was like, I could pay half of what I would pay to watch it on pay-per-view. And use 30 miles of gas to go watch it. Hell yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that. Because first of all, I'm not paying $50. When I could pay half... And make up the rest in gas. Okay. So I drove to the theater. I showed up like 30 minutes into it. Because I had literally only found out. It was playing at this theater an hour before. And the dude. 
the ticket dude made me nervous because he was like, did you already check in? Because it had already started. I was like, yeah, I just literally found out an hour ago that it had started. And he told me where it was. And I was like, cool. And so I had shown up in the middle of uh, Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker. So I missed like everything before that until the recap mid-show. Um, but let me tell you, watching that in the theater, watching a pay-per-view in a movie theater was a better experience than any WWE live event that I have been to, and I have been to a SmackDown, I have been to a house show, and I have been to a pay-per-view. Being in the theater watching AEW All Out was better than all three of those events combined. And I'm not even mad about it. So. um, That was the best night of my life. And part of the reason that I made this podcast. Because it is September 9th. And I am still like buzzing from watching AEW All Out. And even watching AEW Dynamite after the fact. Because I literally. The first thing I did this morning was. Made my coffee obviously smoked a bowl, turned on Wednesday's episode of AEW Dynamite, and I actually went back and rewatched AEW Rampage from last Friday because I didn't realize that the AEW Rampage I had watched before going to see All Out was from two Fridays ago. So I just like missed an entire component of the, the thing. I missed the whole entire component of the plot of the storyline so yeah um so in watching last friday's episode of rampage again i'm probably not gonna cover rampage in these podcasts because there's just not enough in there's just not enough content during rampage to really cover in uh this podcast so it's really just gonna be the pay-per-views and dynamite like i said but um yeah so, let me actually pull up the card for AEW Dynamite, like I did, uh, Dynamite, all, AEW All Out, like I did, uh, SummerSlam, because I've got to cover each match individually. Holy shit. I don't know if I prefaced any of this AEW talk by saying that I am a complete AEW newbie. Um, I had watched, like, maybe one or two episodes of Dynamite, before I became fully invested because I didn't become fully invested until CM Punk returned and I was like okay I'm here for this I'm here for it and then when I went to go see All Out I was like okay I'm fully committed now so keep in mind that I am a newbie and I am sensitive and I also have no filter, so please be mindful of all of those factors when I talk about AEW going forward so I'm learning I'm learning. So I have the card from AEW All Out up. Um, I missed the Best Friends Jurassic Express versus Hardy Family Office and the Hybrid 2. I did miss Miro beat Eddie Kingston, but when he said redeem these nuts on that episode of Rampage, I lost my shit. That was the funniest fucking shit I had ever heard in my life. (laughs) Oh my god. 
and um, I missed John Moxley versus uh, Satoshi Kojima, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I came in the middle. I came to the theater in the middle of Doctor Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander, and I was rooting for Chris Statlander mainly because she looks cool. But I was also rooting for Britt Baker because I remember her time in WWE very briefly. Um, I, that was a match I was like okay with it going either way. I wasn't really upset by the outcome. It was very entertaining. Like you know, props to them for doing what they did. Um, but yeah, that Lucha Brothers Young Bucks match. Holy fucking shit. That was wrestling. That is the definition of fucking wrestling in my book. Like, when I watch wrestling, I want to see shit like that. I don't want to see big, beefy men being built up to be all talk, no action. I want to see blood. I want to see a fucking shoe with thumbtacks all on the bottom. I want to see people getting kicked in the head. That was the best fucking wrestling match I have ever fucking seen in my life. The adrenaline, the fucking passion. When he bro- I'm still thinking about that shoe with all the thumbtacks on it. And I really hope it made all the sneakerheads mad because I fucking hate sneaker culture. I fucking hate sneaker culture with a passion. It's so fucking unbearable. Like, you're camping outside of a fucking store for a shoe. A fucking shoe. But anyways, that was the greatest fucking match I had seen in my entire fucking life. And I can't, I still can't believe that that dude, he got super kicked in the face with the fucking shoe. With the fucking shoe. Can you believe that shit? The, the shoe full of thumbtacks. Unfucking believable. That that was one of those matches that truly, truly, truly told a story, and you could tell that the Lucha Brothers really wanted that, and they earned that shit. Blood, sweat, and tears in the fucking ring. Real fucking talk. No joke. Period. Point blank. Okay. All right. And then the Casino Battle Royal. Still learning everybody's names. Didn't know everybody that was in the ring. But I think I was the only one in the theater when I lost my shit. That lost my shit when Ruby Soho came out. And I just had a feeling that that was going to be her theme song. Like, I I love that. Like, that's one of my favorite fuck. That's one of my favorite songs just in general outside of Ruby Soho using that theme. I love Rancid. I love that album. But what's even cooler is that the fact that Lars from Rancid went to her personally, said, you should change your name to Ruby Soho and use the song as your theme song. The fact that she won that match is going after Britt Baker. And I want to get I want to get into what she said into I want to get I really want to get into what she said to Britt. On the episode of on the episode of Dynamite, but I got to do things one at a time. I got to do things one at a time. Um, and Chris Jericho and MJF, I didn't really understand the context behind their feud and the whole labors of Jericho thing because while I should have been watching Dynamite, I wasn't. 
I knew about the whole Pinnacle AEW. I mean, not Pinnacle AEW, but the whole Pinnacle Inner inner Circle thing. Because the last episode of AEW I watched before um, the episode of Rampage with CM Punk was the aftermath of the whole football, like not the football, the baseball field match. I don't remember what it was called, but that's the last episode I watched before I saw the CM Punk episode. So I kind of knew like I had a little bit of context, but not enough to really understand what was going on. And I was kind of rooting for both because MJF is my level asshole. Like I don't really give a fuck. You know, MJF is my level asshole. So for me, that match could have gone either way. MJF is so good at being a heel that I can't even be mad at him. Like, it's just... And I love that Jericho made him look like a little bitch, though. It's like, I I love see Like, I can't even be mad that he's a really great heel, but I also love seeing him suffer at the same time. And the whole, like... I just, I love it. I can't I can't even explain why I love it, but I thought like even with the little context I had to the whole Jericho MJF inner circle pinnacle feud, I thought that was like the perfect ending to their um I thought that was like the perfect closing to that storyline with the little context that I had. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um but yeah. But CM Punk versus Darby Allen that made me so emotional. Like, that was a full circle moment for me. Like, I'm iffy on Darby Allen because I vaguely remember hearing, like, a Me Too story about him. But he's, like, a good wrestler to the point where I'm, like, mature enough to separate that from his, like, craft. Because, I, I honestly, this is, like, I can go on a whole different story, but, like, being able to separate the art from the artist is like a like a sign of maturity like I can put that whole me too thing aside as a woman to like appreciate his craft like I'm not saying that the victim is wrong but yeah probably not the time and the place for that discussion but yeah um but yeah I was rooting for CM Punk because it was a full circle moment because honestly when CM Punk left WWE it felt like a void like it just felt like a void was there for like however long he was gone from WWE let alone professional wrestling as a whole it felt like a void and even when he had like that short stint in MMA you could tell that he wasn't happy like you honestly you can really tell in someone's energy you don't even have to see it physically you can tell in someone's energy when they are happy where they are exactly where they need to be when he was in wwe and mma you could tell that he was not fucking happy but you can really just see it in his energy that he is exactly where he needs to be in aew and you could see it in that match and even though I knew they weren't going to let CM Punk lose his first match back in seven years in his hometown, I was willing to see, like, what if Darby had won, you know? I mean, I knew they wouldn't do that to CM Punk because, like, it's a big occasion. But just, like, I also think about what if Darby had won. But they put on a hell of a show. I'm not even going to fucking lie to you. Um. Uh, It actually made me emotional because, like, on a personal note, 
not even to make it like sappy shit and to not to read too much into things but i'm not even gonna lie to you when cm punk left wwe that was like the same year i like my life had gone to shit I had been depressed without even realizing it. Like, I was brushing off my depression like it was nothing for, like, those seven years. And I just find it, like, really ironic that right when I'm coming out of that depression, CM Punk makes his return to wrestling, let alone AEW. When I find, like, it just feels like a full circle moment because I'm finally at a place where I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. And my favorite wrestler is in a place where he is exactly where he needs to be. Like, that's just, it felt like a full circle moment. And, like, for me, it was more meaningful because I really got to see CM Punk's first match back in seven years on the big fucking screen in a movie theater like even though like that's i feel like that's a little bit more like there's nothing compare like nothing compares to seeing that in person but just even getting to see that on the big screen not at home that that's just there was something so heartwarming about it and i feel like because it was in such an intimate place like a movie theater that's why it felt so just like it just felt like a huge full circle moment to me honestly it was really good it was really meaningful to me and i feel like that's why i can't shut up about all out because that's what was so meaningful to me um but yeah like honestly 15 year old me would have thought it was so fucking cool to see cm punk wrestle on the big screen and that's what's important to me like I don't even care that I wasn't there in person as long as 15 year old me thinks it's cool to see CM Punk wrestle on a big screen in a movie theater that's what matters to me I'm cool um I'm gonna keep it real with you chief I didn't really give a shit about Paul White and QT Marshall because that was some bullshit that was some real bullshit I didn't give a, I didn't give a rat's ass about that one but um, Kenny Omega and Christian Cage, that was a match I was kind of like, that could go either way. I wouldn't really be upset if that went either way. Like, I, I wouldn't really be mad if that went either way. But I you kind of have the feeling that it's one of those matches where something is really about to be set up. Like, something's about to be set up big time. I just, you know... But the thing is, I wasn't expecting both setups. Like, okay. Obviously, when Kenny Omega won the match, you could tell that somebody's debut or return was being set up. I just wasn't expecting both. I had the expectation that it was just going to be one or the other. Okay? And I knew that when Kenny Omega said, like, when he said the word dead, I was like, okay, Adam Cole is coming out. So I was like... When when all of the elite came out, I knew they were setting up Adam Cole's debut. Like it was obvious, but it was still exciting. You know, two things can exist at once. It was obvious, but it was exciting nonetheless. Can't lie here. I just wasn't expecting Brian Danielson. Okay, I thought they were gonna save that for an episode of Dynamite. I wasn't really expecting that to be like the cherry on top. Like I the when I tell you the entire theater lost their shit when Adam Cole came out. But everybody lost their shit 
even more when Brian Danielson showed up. Like, there was a bigger pop in the theater for Brian Danielson than there was Adam Cole. But to have both of those moments and to witness all of that on the big screen, like, the fact that I got to witness fucking Ruby Soho, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole on the big screen, even though I didn't get to be there in person, like, nothing compares to that. Like, that that's what made it a better experience than fucking all the wwe live events that i've been to you know also to this day i really don't know who don Callis is um he gives me doug dimadome vibes but without the really big hat like uh i swear he gives you like he gives me like fucking doug dimadome car salesman vibes it's like Kenny Omega is the new car that he's trying to sell sell to you. He's like one of those sleazy car salesmen. Like, for for those, well, I, 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 uh, words, because not only people who have cable have commercials, but you know that Carvana commercial with like Rob Corddry and that one guy. He, it's that it's that energy. He gives off that energy. Um, but yeah. When I also I forgot to mention when I saw in the recap that Minoru Suzuki had showed up, I was so pissed that I had missed that because that is one crazy motherfucker. That is one crazy motherfucker, and I can't believe I missed that. I cannot believe I missed him show up. But one thing I did learn from this experience is that now I know to plan ahead next time there's an AEW pay per view, so I could show up early. And plan to get everything together for myself this time. But yeah, honestly, if anybody listening to this ever gets the opportunity to watch an AEW pay-per-view on the big screen, do it. You will not regret it. And obviously I was high. I took an edible right when I got in my seat. And it kicked in right in the middle of the Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks match. It was amazing. It was fucking amazing. Alright, so now we're going to talk about AEW Dynamite. And I will be completely upfront and transparent with you guys. I got the idea to start this podcast in the middle of watching AEW Dynamite this morning. Because I realized I'm going to need an outlet to talk about this. When my only friend that I can talk to about this lives in another state and is limited with their access to watch AEW. So, most obnoxious way to do it is to get stoned and start a podcast. Staying self-aware is the key to getting through this. Okay. So, yeah. Came up with the idea to start this podcast during watching AEW Dynamite this morning, even went as far as to take notes on talking points. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the reality TV approach um, and read my bullet notes and provide context on said bullet notes. Like when you watch a reality show and you watch the clips and then in the side interviews the person gives context as to what's going on in the clips. So, yeah. Alright. So, matches I didn't really pay attention to. Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes and Powerhouse Hobbs and that one guy. I think his name was Dante or whatever. That tells you how much I paid attention. I really didn't. Honestly, 
I turned on AEW Dynamite as background noise because I was typing up terror readings for my Patreon, shameless self-promotion. Not only am I a wrestling fan, I am a terror reader, and I offer terror reading services on Twitter and Instagram at HealingByM. End of shameless self-promotion. Approach me if you're interested. If you're not, that's cool. You don't have to approach me. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Shameless self-promotion. Um, but yeah, so those were kind of just like background noise, but I was a little bit more compelled with Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes because I had a little bit more context to their feud and why they were fighting. Um, second bullet note, who was that Logan Paul looking fucker that was in Hobbs corner the entire match? He's on team Taz and he was wearing the tank top and I really thought it was Logan Paul, but the more I like looked at him, it wasn't, which wasn't really disappointing, but I really thought it was Logan Paul because they all looked the same to me. Um, but yeah, I was wondering why he was there, what his purpose was. He didn't really look like a wrestler. He kind of looked like a, a mix of Jacob Sartorius and uh, is a little peep, no little pump. I don't know. He just looked like he shouldn't have been there. He just didn't look like a believable wrestler to me. I'm sorry if I offend him, but I don't know who you are. Um, yeah, CM Punk's promo, all of CM Punk's promo, I was thinking about him versus John Moxley, not even gonna lie to you, that's something I need to see, um, the whole Team Taz thing, I thought that was really annoying, that was really, like, an ego thing, I'm not even gonna lie to you, that was, like, really fucking annoying because I was I was honestly with CM Punk in that moment. He was talking about who he was going to fight, who he was planning to fight, throwing ideas out there. Nobody said shit about Team Taz. So where the fuck did he come from with all this extra bullshit? I'm like, "Damn. What the fuck? I I what the fuck? Is it that deep? Is it that serious? Like, damn." But anyways, I need to see him fight John Moxley. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, that's the one thing I need to see, and I can die peacefully. I can sleep so peacefully and nice when I see that. Okay. Next bullet note. Santana and Ortiz versus Lucha Brothers when? That's all. Because after, honestly, after what I saw on Sunday at AEW All Out with Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers, I want the same shit with Santana and Ortiz. With the Lucha Brothers. Because after seeing what they did to FTR and that one dude's arm. I need to see a fucking death match between the four of them. That. Oh my god. You know what? Let's let's just take it a step further. Let's do like a. Tr- like a. Let's just take it a fucking step further. Like Tornado. No, not even a tornado tag team. Or like what would be like a, a three on three tag match? That that's what it's called. A three on three tag match. Santana, Ortiz, Moxley, Lucha Bros, Punk, Deathmatch, Steel Cage. Think about it. Think about it. Alright. Ruby Soho and Britt Baker. When Britt made that comment about Ruby being in catering the last four years, I started laughing because I barely remembered her NXT run, but bold statement. 
That was true because I, I it was a clever comment. Like you've been in catering the past four years, and I did like how Ruby responded. She was like, "I know that's your girl, but I'm a whoop her ass." I was like, "Absolutely fucking agree with that." Like, let's fucking go. If you if you dish it out, you better be willing to take it back or th- get these hands. Um. But yeah, I I thought it was very ironic that Britt said that because with the little bit that I watched NXT when I was watching WWE. I barely remember her NXT run, let alone her WWE run. Because, I mean, I remember Ruby's a little bit more. But, again, bold statement. Um, Orange Cassidy is the coolest fucking wrestler in the world, and I stand by that shit. It's law. Um, I will say that I dropped $145 at Shop AEW, so you could definitely say that I'm already committed to this company. And I ordered the uh, the Orange Cassidy creation of whatever shirt, simply because he's just putting the thumbs up. Like, I swear to God, this is the coolest fucking wrestler I've ever seen in my life. Like, coolest entrance theme. Out of all the entrance themes, there is nothing cooler than walking out to Where's My Mind by the Pixies. Um... Having your hands in your pockets when you pin a guy. Wearing sunglasses inside. Cool as fuck. His response to Matt Hardy is my response to literally anything and everything. He really said, Matt Hardy wants to cut my hair. Whatever. Hands down the best promo like you can't even retaliate to that like the best promos are are promos you can't even respond to retaliate to i love it the uh mjf brian pillman i can't really be mad at mjf because he is so great at being an asshole and everything he said about the midwest is so true because what the fuck even is the midwest doesn't exist to me i really have this theory that the midwest doesn't exist because when i hear about everything that happens in america whether it's good or bad i never really hear about the midwest so to me the midwest is like an out of sight out of mind thing so i don't really know what the midwest is so i really had to agree with mjf on that one i don't know what the midwest is um I don't think Ohio is the Midwest. I'm actually shocked to find out that Ohio is considered the Midwest. But then again, I've never been to Ohio. I don't know where Ohio is. I at least knew Cincinnati was in Ohio. But um, obviously, the American public school education system failed me and all of us. Um, cause I never learned geography. I'm, I'm going to keep it a hundred percent with you. I never fucking learned geography in school and I can stand on that. I'm not even joking. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we, sh- we could have left Linda out of it for sure. I have to agree that we could have left Linda out of it. Linda didn't deserve all of that. I mean, I love aunt Linda. Aunt Linda deserves the world. She, we could have left aunt Linda out of it for sure. Um, as much as fucked up as the 16 and pregnant comment was, it was, it it was a chuckle moment. I did, um, it did bring a chuckle out of me. Um, 
but yeah, Linda, we could have left Linda out of it. Linda didn't, Linda did nothing to nobody. Linda didn't do anything to anyone. Linda was just there having a good time celebrating her son nephew that she raised. I, I don't really know the relation too well, but she was there to support the man that she raised. And we just brought Linda into the mess. Linda was there just trying to have a good night and enjoy herself. Okay. We didn't have to bring Linda into the mess. Linda's Aunt Linda deserves better. Okay, I'm rooting for Aunt Linda. Aunt Linda versus MJF at the next pay per view is a full gear AEW full gear. Aunt Linda versus MJF at AEW full gear. Not off tops. Bring it on. Um. <laughs> um. Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega win. I know we're building up to it, but I really just cannot wait to see Brian Danielson beat the fuck out of Kenny Omega. I really cannot wait to see it. Um. Maybe uh, I'm just moving on to the next thing because I don't think the Brian Pillman and MJF feud is going to compel me as much as it, as they're trying to build it up to but we'll see we'll see where it goes i'm just an mjf fan regardless he's just great at being an asshole um maybe cm punk versus mjf i really want to see them go toe-to-toe in a promo battle i would not be upset at that mjf and cm punk in a promo battle Ooh. Ooh. okay here i am pitching dream matches that are obvious so far, we got CM Punk versus John Moxley, CM Punk versus MJF, CM Punk versus Minoru Suzuki. Ooh, scared myself thinking about that one, honestly. But yeah, um, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. I can't wait to see Brian Danielson whip the fuck out of Kenny Omega and all of the elite, the Young Bucks, because you know, you know, you know, you know, you know for a fact. Brian Danielson is going to have to go through every member of the elite before he can get to Kenny Omega. I see it coming. We already know it's going to be a Labors of Jericho round two, but with Brian Danielson in the elite. Kenny Omega, Don Callis, whoever is going to set it up that he has to get through the rest of the elite to get to Kenny Omega. I'm calling it right fucking now. All right. Um, Minoru Suzuki is the craziest fucker I've ever seen in a wrestling ring off the bat. Hands down, period. Um, yeah. When he walked out, I was scared of the smile that creeped on my own face because I knew him and John Moxley were about to get in that ring and fucking kill each other for off the bat. Hands down. And I also want to know how the fuck John Moxley even won that match. Because both of those crazy motherfuckers, I don't know what the fuck I watched. But that was some wild ass shit. Like I think I I think I was like I I tuned in and out of that match because I was half typing and I would look up at the TV, then I would go back to typing, and then all of a sudden I looked up at the TV. Minoru was bleeding. He like wiped the blood off of his face, licked his hand. And then John Moxley won the match. I was like, these motherfuckers are crazy, but this is the greatest fucking match because I knew they were going to go in and kill each other. And that's what I love to see. That's the wrestling that I come to see. I don't come to see entertainment and big stars being built. I come to see motherfuckers kill each other and come to blows and actually fight because that's what wrestling is all about. God damn it. Shit. All right.
So that's all I got for you guys this week. I will see you guys in two weeks with my opinions on the next two AEW Dynamites. Maybe Rampage, but Rampage doesn't give enough for me to speak on, but we'll see. Um, If you want to follow along with this little journey of mine that I'm embarking on with this podcast, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheHighWP. Um, Again, if you're interested in the tarot readings and stuff, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at healing by m and i will see you guys in two weeks enjoy